This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by the Vulnerable People Project. Visit thegreatcampaign.org. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones. I don't even think I sound like me. I'm listening to these these headphones. I've been fighting to keep my voice. I've been fighting. It's, I'm clinging. I'm clinging. Uh, my voice is trying to escape, but I'm holding on. I hope it's not much of a distraction because this is a landmark interview. Uh, this is an important interview in the history of the Jason Jones show. And it's a show that I'm proud of. And it's unlike any interview that you're going to hear on Ukraine. And I'm interviewing my dear friend, Pablo Ungurian. And Pablo is a member of the Ukrainian parliament from 2008 to 2019. He is the coordinator of the Ukrainian National Prayer Breakfast in 2002. Pablo earned a law degree uh, from the National University of Law, Odessa's Law Academy. Um, He has a very long biography. He organized the Franklin Graham Festival of Hope. In Ukraine, uh, in 2020, Pavel launched the American-Ukrainian platform. He created this platform to help Ukrainian government institutions and local regional authorities build ties and cooperation with American federal and state institutions for the mutual benefit of the United States of America, Americans, Ukraine, and Ukrainians. Pavel is a good and honorable man. He's a Christian man. He is a friend. But we had a an honest, sincere, and transparent conversation on the Russia, the Russian war of aggression in Ukraine. And I asked him the questions that you would want to be asked. I asked him some hard questions. And it is a challenge to ask a friend the hard questions in the middle of a war. Uh, But... In the wake of the past 20 years of catastrophes in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Yemen, in Libya, in Syria, I think we have to ask those hard questions, those pressing questions. Because as an American citizen, I want what is best, of course, for the United States, but I want what is best for our friends. As a Christian, I want to be an instrument of peace in the world, but also justice. And allowing abuse and violence to go unchecked in the long run uh, doesn't bring peace and doesn't bring justice. While at the same time, one has to be thoughtful of the consequences of war. And So Pablo and I have uh, a good discussion. I, I want you to listen to it. I hope you share it. And this is just on the heels of that great conversation I had with Brad Phillips on Sudan. Uh, So they're two pretty heavy shows back to back in the wake of me being gone for a while as I was focused on rebuilding Lahaina in the wake of the catastrophic fire. So let's just get on with this interview. By the way, I'm traveling now. I will be off to Europe where I will be heading to Italy and back to Ukraine. So, and then I'll be returning to Texas and then back to Hawaii. So it's going to be a busy couple of months and we're going to fit in as many interviews as we can. There's a lot of things to talk about. Libya, 
um, the election, Trump's recent comments on abortion. I'm going to try to be, I'm going to try to do shows even on the road on these topics. All right. But let's just get on the interview with Pablo. This episode is being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the most vulnerable people in the world when the world is left. Go to thegreatcampaign.org and become a donor today. When you become a donor to the Vulnerable People Project, you truly are weaving your life into the life of the most vulnerable people in the world. And to me, as the president and founder of VPP, by the way, the only time I've ever heard anyone say that before is a hair club for men. As the president and founder of the hair club for men, as the president and founder of the Vulnerable People Project, what is the great privilege to me is to stand shoulder to shoulder with the most beautiful, some of the strongest people in the world, but they've been thrust into vulnerability, whether it's in Lahaina, whether it's in Ukraine, whether it's the Uyghur and Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. It's a privilege to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Okay, thegreatcampaign.org. Now, on with my interview with the great Pavlo Ungorian on the Russian war of aggression in Ukraine. The Jason Jones Show. Pavel Ungorian, welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Hello, hello, my brother. Well, hey, I know we're, we've got a lot of work to do today, and uh, you're very busy, so I thank you for taking some time, and I know we only have 30 minutes, and I could interview you for hours because this topic, it's a very serious topic, and it's a very complex and nuanced topic, and um, you are a former member of parliament from the Ukraine. You are an evangelical leader in Ukraine. Um, and so you're probably the best guy for me to interview on this topic because what I really want to talk to you about is sort of the swirl of American domestic politics, Ukrainian domestic politics, and Russian propaganda and the Russian war of aggression. It's kind of complex, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's it's all sort of merging, right? You've got Ukraine's a country with a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions, yep. just like the United States of America. The same. It's a sovereign country, not a monolith. Um and the United States right now is is really in turmoil politically. And this war in Ukraine is sort of tapped into a lot of sentiment towards a lot of issues that have nothing to do with Ukraine, sadly. And the Russians have taken advantage of this. Yeah. And the people who are suffering from this Russian propaganda is, are the Christians of Ukraine primarily. So this is this is what I want to talk to you about. But before we get into that, I just want to say I met you. Well, I've known you for how many years? I mean, we've known each oh, other for a long we time. Know, more than five, maybe. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. And I was so blessed to get to spend time with you in your country. Oh, yeah. Not oh, that yeah. long ago, like three months ago. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Uh, I, I didn't want to leave. I was very sad to leave. It's sort of, you know, if you have a friend that's going through a divorce, we've all experienced this, or battling cancer, and you go to, you fly into town to visit them. First of all, you don't want to go because it's uncomfortable. You, you're, you know, I don't you know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, you don't want to go see your friend, but you have to. It's an obligation. They're going through a divorce or they're fighting cancer. You have to go. But you're like, what am I going to do? But they need me. Do they even need me? Will I bother them? But you just feel like you have. And then you go. And then you're like, whoa, they need me. And I just don't even want to leave. And I'll say that's exactly how I, I felt when I went to Ukraine. And I've... I, I, I was there before, 
in Western Ukraine, but I've never gone so far into the country and I've never been to your capital. And I have, and I've never met so many people because we were at this conference where Christians oh, yeah. and Jews and others from all over Ukraine descended on the capital to fight for family values yes. in the middle of a war. Yes. And I fell in love. And then I was just like, I don't even want to leave, but I have so many other responsibilities and I have a family. So I had to leave. So, um, but it's great now to be here with you in the United States. Thank you, um, but I want to ask you, where do you want to start? Because this is the topics, Ukrainian internal politics, American domestic politics, the Russian war of aggression, Russian propaganda, Russia exploiting the just grievances of the American people, Russia exploiting American skepticism to NATO and the West's real motives in Ukraine, and how this is really leading to the brutalization of the people of Ukraine. So this is, where should we start? Thank you. Great, great questions. Thank you for inviting me to your show, brother. First of all, the real, real brothers and sisters in the United States, I would like to say thank you for your prayers and help for, for my country. Second, please, you, you must understand, this is a, not a first war in our history between Ukraine and Russia. Why? I believe there are different reasons of uh, war or different wars on history. But every time we have some spiritual reasons because the general war in the, our planet, it's a war between light and darkness. And in Ukraine, this war, it's more 800 years. Why it was started 800 years? Different time, different empires, wars, but war was. Why? Because more than 1,000 years ago, Ukraine started to be a Christian territory. 1,035 years ago, this last July, when actually when you visited Kiev, we celebrated in the same in the same weeks we celebrated 1,035 years of baptism in Christianity, the Ukrainian uh, lands. So, so Ukraine was being Christianized at the same time Scandinavia was being Christianized. Yes, the same. Yeah, more than 1,000 year, yeah. and it was a just first land territory in that very huge pagan pagan lands, barbarian lands, which open hearts for the, for the light, for the Jesus. And from Ukraine, from Kiev actually, from Kiev city, which was created the first the churches, temples, monasteriums, seminaries, 100 years, we Ukrainians sent thousands, thousands, thousands missionaries to the east. Siberia, to the Oral Mountains, to the Middle Asia, Caucasia, all of them was, was prepared for the mission in Ukrainian churches. And evil, Satan, hate especially Ukraine because it was a missionary uh, basket for the Eurasia. And even... The, the Russian apologists like Alexander Dugin and others that, that, that promulgate really perverse satanic philosophies, Alexander Dugin, Putin's brain, has a new book coming out saying that Aleister Crowley, the British Satanist, is really at the heart of his Eurasian project. I don't know if you know about that. That's in like the, the little advertisement where he's trying to sell his book, but they acknowledge Ukraine 
is the heartland of Christian Absolutely. Christianity in the East. Absolutely. Even the Russian propaganda. Absolutely. And this is why so they the, uh, the the Russian propaganda so hate Ukraine because all the time in the Tsar's time, on the Soviet Union time, the most religious and most Christian uh, republic was Ukraine. And even today, the largest pro-family movement in Europe, for folks to know, the largest pro-family movement, pro-life movement in Europe is in Ukraine. Absolutely. It's the most Christian of the Eastern Oblasts. Yes. Someone who I've liked a lot, he's been right on a lot. I actually didn't like him until a couple of years ago. He was kind of my arch nemesis, was Tucker Carlson. Because he was Captain Neil Khan, Captain Invading Iraq, and that's when I was working for Pat Buchanan in those days, and an anti-regime change guy. Tucker seemed to sort of learn. But then he goes to Hungary and says that we hate Russia because they're a Christian country. I don't know if you heard about this. Mm. They're, they're not a Christian country. In the Eastern Occupied Oblast, this is not in the Western press. It drives me up a wall. And the, and the, the mission of my organization, the Vulnerable People Project, is to stand with the most vulnerable people in the world when the world stands against them. And I believe NATO's not really with you. I, I hate to say that. That's what I believe. And I think that the right in the West, um, in the United States and Hungary especially, has been swept away by sort of Russia talking points. And so then it's my mission to be there. Um, but when Tucker said this, someone came out and showed the statistics that if Russia was an American state, they would be number 50 in church attendance and number one in abortions. Absolutely truth. Yeah. It's absolutely truth. The, all the image of the conservatism and Christianity in Russia, it's a one big fake. It's a one big fake by Russian propaganda. In reality, uh, the Christianity very sick in Russia and the evangelical Protestants movement in Russia have a more than 60% pastors. It's the missionaries from Ukraine. The last 30 years, my generation, we sent thousands of evangelical missionaries to Russia, to Far East, to Siberia, to Moscow, St. Petersburg, other cities, missionaries from Ukraine. And this is why Putin so hate Ukraine because Christians they do they cannot be controlled by government. Christians have just one power, it's Jesus. We are free. We are we are, we, we have just our Lord, our our King, Jesus Christ. But Russia it's a it's a dictatorship, totalitarian country want to control everything. But church is not under control by government. Well, the Russian Orthodox Church is controlled 100% Absolutely. by the FSB. Absolutely. This and now the right in the West is trying to pretend this isn't true, all horrified that Ukraine rightfully raided a few churches and discovered, yeah, lo and behold, they were listing posts and outposts for Russia intelligence inside Ukraine. But there's no mention of in the Eastern occupied oblasts, 100% of the Catholic churches and most of the evangelical churches, is this correct, have been shut down? Absolutely. Destroyed, exploded. Many pastors, especially evangelical Protestant pastors, killed, persecuted on the prisons uh, because they are, Russians call them, it's American agents because you are Protestants. You are American agents, CIA agents. Well, what about the Catholics? Are we American agents too? Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> because just one church need to be a Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, from Stalin time, 
Russian Orthodox Church absolutely controlled by by uh, KGB. And Pavel, right now I know that there are people who are regular listeners to the show that when I bring up Ukraine, they twitch. And when I'm saying that the Russian Russia has shut down our evangelical churches or evangelical church Christians right now that do not want to believe that. Right now, I know you. I know you guys are out there, some of you. Well, it's so frustrating for me yeah. that they will not accept the truth. For me, too, I am an evangelical Christian in fourth generation. My parents was under persecution, persecutions in the Soviet time. My grandfather was a pastor in the small Baptist church in the south of Ukraine, in the USSR, in the Soviet Union, in this communistic, atheistic country. He was persecuted all the time, all his life. My grand-grandparents, the first generation of evangelical Christian in our family, was persecuted, then changed a few times, changed their location where they lived, because they was uh, evangelicals. And I am right now your brother. I am right now the executive secretary for the Evangelical Alliance. And I testify you, Ukraine, it's a Christian nation. Ukraine loves Jesus. Ukraine have a huge conservative movement, family pro-life movement. We have a, one of the largest prayer breakfasts in the world. And Ukrainian prayer breakfast, it's the largest it's a prayer breakfast number one in European continent. And Russians hate us because we want to be in the Christian civilization, Christian Western civilization, included U.S., included Ukraine, Europe, South Korea. This is all a civilization. Well, and we look at who's allied with Russia. But that, well, I want to pause on what you just said there. I have a hard question for you. But we have to look who's aligned with Russia. Iran, North Korea, Venezuela... South Africa and China. and China and Iran. These are the allies yes. and members of the right in the West. Okay, but to your question, you want to be a part of the Christian West. I do think those of you in Ukraine have a bit rose-colored glasses when you look to the West. And I feel you're being invaded from two directions. I, and it's hard to hear, but I see it almost like what happened to Poland when they were invaded from the East and the West. There is a revolution happening in the West with this rainbow transgender ideology that's un unbelievable. And so you growing up in a Christian family behind the Iron Curtain where the United States and the West and England and missionaries from Scandinavia and Germany and the United States were coming into your country sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, things are changing in the West and Russia's playing off of that, aren't they? With this rainbow flag and the trans ideology. You want to talk about that? Yes. Uh, I understand this huge cultural war which happened in the, in the West. We understand it. Uh, but this is a, maybe our Ukrainian mission to help for the West come back for the Christian roots. Because right now, this, the Ukraine start to be very huge force of real patriotism who who ready sacrifice for the freedom right now in this very comfortable time of love life for the all the planet, but we sacrifice for the principles of freedom, democracy, faith, patriotism, and we understand this huge, huge conflict, cultural war in the in the Western society. But 
we just look for the Europe and America like fruits and example what the Christianity can do, how our faith can create successful countries, successful societies with medicine, education, with army, with good economy, with prosperity. And this is a, for us right now a mission to to say for our American and European friends, hey guys, we need together come back for our roots because our roots will make us strong. It's a it's a faith, it's a freedom, it's democracy, it's a family, it's a it's a uh, our 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 belief in God. Yeah, no, and I saw that in Ukraine, and I came back, and so many friends would say, "You need to do your research about Ukraine." I'm like, "Well, I've been there since the war several times, and I just returned." No, but they're promoting the transgender, you know, LGBT plus ideology. I'm like, I saw one rainbow flag in all of Ukraine. I mean, I didn't see one on a backpack. I didn't see a sticker on a bicycle. I saw one rainbow flag, and that was flying in front of the Canadian embassy. Yeah. And is this right that that there was, I know that the West is pushing kind of trying to pinkwash Ukraine to take advantage of this opportunity. You may not want to talk about that, but from what I understand, Zelensky's kind of put the brakes on this push from the West to push Ukraine on some radical issues like same-sex marriage. Is that true? You're not sure of that? Or we don't want to talk about that? Okay. Um, now, here's the other thing I want to talk about. There's a lot of distrust of Zelensky among conservatives. And... I have to say, after going there and meeting with his staff, the one thing that I got from his staff and meeting with him is that he, Zelensky himself, is a real patriot. Yes, it's true. That's true. I might disagree with him on a lot. I don't know. I mean, I'm not Ukrainian. But, but the one thing I, I, I came away from my meetings is this is a man who is really committed to the people of Ukraine, and the people of Ukraine believe in him. Yeah, it's absolutely truth. Right now, everybody of us, we unite together. But our, as a Ukrainian conservatives, movement leaders, we just, uh, we just have uh, this goal, God and Ukraine, God and country. We have, a, we have, we have a, our logo, it's a God, family, and Ukraine. This is our three goals for our movement. And right now, everybody unite for that. Included Zelensky and many good Christians, if there are around him. Uh, but problem is, problem is, the Russian propaganda want to show us like a followers of of the liberal values of like a followers yes. of that type of life. When when Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, the Republicans didn't agree with Roosevelt's sweeping programs and social, you know economic and social reforms, quote-unquote reforms, but they were, they were all committed to defending the United States of America. And it's irrational for us to expect or to say to a country, we have to support you if all of your elected leaders support my particular conservative values. But the one thing that I got in Ukraine is that it's a country of farmers. Yes. It's a country of very conservative people. I say that I feel like Ukraine, if it was a, a state in the United States, would be the most conservative state. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely true, brother. The 90%, more than 90%, it's the conservative people 
which believe in God, we are in the 10 most religious countries in the European continent, included together with Poland, with Romania, with I Serbia. saw more rainbow flags in Poland by far. We all know Poland's a very conservative Catholic country. Yeah, but in Ukraine, you, you cannot define that because we are very pro-family, pro pro-life. Uh, we love our, our, our country. And right now we have this huge war. We don't have a time to do something uh, for, uh, against our families because we need to, to be strong to, to win this war, which the reason. But we understand maybe God just push us back to the Christian civilization to help our neighbors, but and also included the United States, let's come back together to the, our roots. Why the name of Ukraine, actually? It's interesting. Why we have the name of country Ukraine? What is a Ukraine? Ukraine, it's a, in the Slavic languages like Ukraina or Ukraina. Ukraina in Slavic languages, it's a border. Border of what? Border of the Christian civilization. Mm -hmm. A thousand years ago, when the Ukraine started to be a Christian nation, baptized in the Dnipro River, King Vladimir was baptized all the nation. The Ukrainians start to be outpost, the eastern outpost, which many, many centuries stopped all that Mongolians... Gunas, Polovians, Hazarians, all that absolutely barbarians, uh, barbarians uh, forces from the uh, Asia, which want to destroy Christian Europe. And Ukraine stopped them all the time. Right now the same. Russia unite with China, with Iran, with Northern Korea, with all this dictatorship, communistic dictatorship, uh, extremistic uh, totalitarian countries. This is a real face of evil. And I ask brothers and sisters uh, in America, understand that. It's a big fake about the conservative Christian Russia. It's not truth. Absolutely. Number one on abortions in the world. Number one for uh, alcoholic drunks in the, uh, drunk in the, in the children um, uh, ages. Uh, Number number one by suicides, and they just they they just create the image to to make some laws uh, against uh, LGBT, and because they understand how sensitive it's for the for the uh, Christians in America, and they just create some laws looks like conservatives, but nothing about Christianity there now. Unbelievable now. This is, uh, I want to ask you, we only have 10 minutes, nine minutes. These shows can sometimes go three hours. So for me to do a 30-minute show is really hard, especially on this topic. So I have two, two, two more questions. I want to talk to you about the Holodomor and how that impacts the memory um, and the psyche of Ukraine and how that impacts the fight today and the courage and, and, and the heroism that I'm seeing in the people of Ukraine. And, then, the, and then, then maybe if we could follow that up, I want to talk about the real concern that conservatives have such as myself, that we really want to advocate for what is in the best interest of Ukraine. And we really want Ukraine to have its borders. And we really want our nation to keep its commitment that the United States, Britain, and Russia made together to guarantee the territorial integrity of your country. The United States, Russia, and Britain 
in exchange for you dismantling your Air Force and dismantling your nuclear arsenal, which was the third largest in the world, we gave you our guarantee together. The United States gave you its word. Russia gave you its word for what that was worth. And the UK gave you their word that we would guarantee your territorial integrity. Nobody wants this to be World War III. We know that we're dancing around strategic nuclear weapons, countries with strategic, strategic nuclear weapons. And that's not, to me, the real... I think that's a distant fear. But I, the real fear that I have is that the West will support Ukraine in and so much as they believe it will serve their interest. <clears throat> and that eventually this is going to lead to an armistice and a very long, slow political process to return to those normal borders. That's what I believe. And so I would like to see a ceasefire and armistice as soon as possible. One thing I learned in Ukraine is that you have no intention of stopping until you have your borders back. That's the will of your people. But there's a lot of conservative Christians of goodwill who are not drinking the Russian propaganda that really are concerned for the interests of the people of Ukraine. Maybe let's answer this first and then get to the whole of more. Um, and we, we, are, we fear that the... the Oh, that's an alarm. Let's tell people what that is. Right now, it's uh, the, 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 the it's an alarm. Don't alarm. shut it off. Can you can you put it back on? Or oh, excuse me. It's it's right now. My family they are in. That's your home. Right so it's, it's explain there. So explain what that was. It's it's a, every uh, all the all the device we have uh, we have uh, uh, emergency services alarms when they start to attack. Everywhere in the streets, everywhere people can hear the alarm signal of by siren, and every device have the same alarm signal uh, to to have a few minutes go go down in in bomb shelter. Right. So now. we're sitting here it's in the a, United States. Right now it's a, a very early morning. Three seventeen a.m. Seventeen a.m. in Ukraine right now, and uh, that was kind uh, of perfect timing to go with this question. So here it is: you and I are safe. You just got an alarm that went off on your phone that your family now is in an area that's under attack. It's really unbelievable. Yes, that's absolutely crazy how we love, uh, live right now. And uh, kids on the schools have a boom shelter. Our church have a boom shelter. Last Christmas Eve, first time in our life, we, we celebrate Christmas Eve on the bomb shelter. All the church was underground. It's a, it's a, you, you cannot imagine, bro, but you can because you visited Ukraine actually. And I'm lazy. Yeah. I didn't go in the bomb shelter. I just put a pillow over You're my very head. Brave, brother. I, no, I'm not brave. brave. I just trust American technology. And this is what, this is a good, I'm so glad this happened. I don't want to see the military industrial complex. In the, I hear people say, we're sending all this money to Ukraine. I'm like, no, we're not. We're sending money to American weapons Absolutely. manufacturers who are sending weapons for Ukrainians to go fight and die with in their hands. Okay, this is what's really happening. I'm not saying that there aren't corrupt people. I, I'm saying that in America, there's a lot of people profiting. I'm not saying there aren't people in, in Ukraine who aren't profiting from this war in some way. But what I'm saying is I was very proud to see America, to, to sit in Kiev, and I had no fear. My, my friends thought I was crazy. Like, I'm not going down there. We're, we've got this. I'm sleeping. I'm putting the pillow over my head. And I'll sleep through the alarms because I had faith in you know, U.S. technology. So at the one hand, I have this fear that Americans will profit off this war at the expense of Ukrainian young men and families and children and women. Um, and then I was also very proud 
that American weapons and technology was intercepting missiles, keeping Ukrainians safe. So this is the dilemma. How, how do we resolve this, those conservatives, us who are with you? And I support standing with you in our commitment that we will defend you and work with you to defend yourself, while at the same time, I don't want a quagmire. I don't want a 10-year, 20-year war. Like General Milley said, quagmire's fine by him. I don't want a quagmire. I don't want dads away from their children for one more day than's necessary. I don't want children losing limbs stepping on landmines because Russia is littering your country with landmines. So how do, how do we deal with this dilemma where we want to stand with you? We think our nation should keep its word when we convinced you to disarm. All the way up to 2007, we made you dismantle everything. Every system you had to protect yourself, we leaned on you to continue to dismantle in exchange for our word. Here it goes. Here it goes, guys. This is what his family's listening to right now. Okay. So that's a big, clumsy question. <sighs> Sorry. Excuse me, please. It's no, do you need to check in with your good. wife? or uh, I just text you. Or just you text her. So, guys, this is, when I hear Christians say that Russia's defending Christendom by targeting civilians relentlessly, and the only thing stopping civilians from being pummeled is the American weapon systems, like the Patriot, that have been sent there to intercept these missiles, to obliterate these drones. By the way, I think it's worth mentioning that the drones that are slamming into Ukrainian civilian apartment buildings are made in Iran with Chinese parts. Yes. And so, the Iranians, uh, they uh, right now train their pilots and try to use that drones on the real battlefields, just preparing to uh, use it against Israel for the some So this time. is practice. It's a practice. The, the Iran we saw this in the 20th century. It's, well, a, it's a just a target to, for Israel. You know, we saw this in the 20th century. I wrote a book called The Race to Save Our Century where I argued that if we don't check total wars and genocides, in fact, we had like 60 pages in, on Ukraine and Russia in our book. It came out in 2013 and our publisher thought I was nuts. I think chopped it down a couple pages. But we argued that if we don't stop the genocides, if we don't stop the wars that will come in Central Europe, this was in 2014, that, that the dominoes will fall and that will lead to total wars beyond our wildest imagination and destruction and genocides beyond belief. And so we have the Uyghur genocide right now, 3 million Uyghurs in concentration camps, organs being harvested. We have the Russian military slamming into Ukraine, drones made, assembled in Iran with Chinese parts, slamming into apartment buildings. And then here, the, here, here we are as American citizens. We're citizens of a hegemon. And you know, you've been coming here for years to events like the one we are at. And I know as an American citizen, I have the real ability to in influence the decisions of our government. This is something that we really have. And um, it's not easy, but we can organize, we can work hard with discipline over time, and we can really influence its decisions. And so I'm confused. I want to stand with the people of Ukraine to make sure they have everything they can to repel Russia, while at the same time, I don't want to advocate anything that leads to the exploitation and use of Ukraine to achieve our own objectives at the expense of the people of Ukraine's sovereignty 
and then we throw you away when we're done, like we did the Afghans, the Iraqis, the Vietnamese. Does that make sense? Yes, it's 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 a good questions, brother. It's and very hard, difficult questions. This is why we need a lot of prayer, because it's possible coming big war. If we not stop evil right now, look at look at the Taiwan. What the Chinese do there? Look at the Iranians how they train right now, and Russia start to send some technologies to Iran. Just a few days ago, meeting between Putin and Kim Jong-un, uh, Northern Korea, bad guy, and our friends and brothers and sisters in South Korea, very concerned. We saw how evil unite together. And yet there are Christians that you know that were your friends. They're trying to tell you how Putin's on the side of good. You Have you had that happen? Yeah. Well, Putin's going to meet with North Korea and Iran and China. It's really bizarre. Yes, absolutely. And this is why we need to be together. But unfortunately, some, some propaganda can, can make influence in very good people. Because I understand that horrible culture, culture war, and if the propaganda move it through this window of, of, of the culture war and people want to to believe in everything of propaganda and this is a big big problem but lord is live jesus jesus is our lord is our savior and this is a big 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 miracle how small ukraine can stand against huge number one by territory country in the world and some republican senator just yesterday published his article he said, why we have so huge American army, navy, everything, DOD and everything, military. Why? To protect our country from which, which uh, uh, enemies? It's just four or five of them. China, Russia, Iran, Northern Korea, maybe some, something here in Caribbean. The army, against, army need to be ready to protect from these from this enemies, potential aggressor, aggressors. And right now, we just use it 5%, maybe 4-something percent of our military budget in America and send some part of this money to American economy, to military production economy, yeah. industry, to military industry. Some of this money sent to Europe and absolutely destroyed army number two in the world it's very smart he said it's very good investment now one american soldier just five percent but half of them stay here in the american industry economy military service here military industry and we just use this small money to destroy this big goliath through the heroic ukrainian soldiers and army it's a, it's a really miracle. Look at this. Yeah, but at the end of the day, what we're worried about is that what, what bothers me about what the senator wrote is, again, I think the best way, America's a hegemon. I want a unipolar world. I don't want a multipolar world. 
this idea that I'm hearing coming from the right, that we want China and Russia to be our equals on the global stage, this is a horrific future. Um, and I think we need to earn the right to be the hegemon. I think we squandered the 90s. I think in the 90s we had a real opportunity to bring Eastern Europe into the global community. But there was a real fear, I think, of our elite. They didn't want the participation of the elite from Eastern Europe. They didn't want the true participation in economic growth in the East. They wanted to keep the East subordinate economically. This is what I believe. And this is why we're in this catastrophe that we are now. And there's a, a faith in, um, there's a loss of faith in the United States. Um, but the real reason I want to support Ukraine is simply because we put you in this pickle. I mean, if you didn't dismantle your nuclear arsenal and your air force, would we be here? Absolutely agree with you. I absolutely w agree with you, brother. We had a nuclear potential number three in the world. And nobody cannot start aggression against Ukraine. But because our friends from Great Britain and United States, and not just a few weeks ago, President Bill Clinton just asked forgiveness about that decision. Because yeah, Bill Clinton has a lot to forgive because, the, I mean, the 90s, we just squandered the hope that we had. What we did in the Eastern Europe in the 90s we did in the Middle East in the 2000s. Yeah. We had a real opportunity in the Middle East after 9-11. We squandered that. We had a real opportunity in Eastern Europe. We really we squandered that, didn't we? Right now, please do not make a mistake number three. Stop Putin. Okay, and then I want to end on this. We went over a couple minutes. I know you have to go. Just in a couple minutes, Can you? most Americans don't know about the Holodomor, which is surpassed the Holocaust in human damage and lives lost um, can you tell us about the holodomor and how does it really impact ukrainians today oh wow holodomor it's our big big strategy when the communistic atheistic anti-christian regime follow follow special ukrainian people on the soviet union on that time was uh, 15 republics but communistic regime hate ukraine because it was a spiritual christian very pro family and very uh, rich territory of the soviet union and they started the the famine they take all the all the uh, uh, grain from the ukraine and send it to the uh, moscow or to export to have a currency money uh, from different parts of the world. Actually, what they do the same time right now. And every Ukrainian family had a tragedy when the, some people, some members of the family, was died on the Holodomor. It was a millions, millions, millions of people. Actually, brother uh, Jason, right now on the September and October, we have a 90... Uh, anniversary of the Holodomor, of this big tragedy. Right now, 90 years, uh, because it was happened in 1933 uh, years, a year. And uh, right now, it's it's uh, we have the same 
problem right now when the Russia blocked our support. And here we have it again. Yeah, it's, it's striking. And it was the New York Times and Walter Durante and the mainstream media at the time in America in the 30s that covered up the atrocities for Stalin. And there was an, uh, a Welsh journalist, Gareth Jones. I don't know if Gareth Jones is famous in Ukraine. He should be. Gareth Jones was a Welsh journalist who snuck into Ukraine and documented the Holodomor and f- pushed and pushed and pushed to get the story to break. And he had to push against the big guy at the time from the New York Times, Walter Durante, the New York Times man in Moscow, but really it was Stalin's man. And the KGB assassinated him a few years later in retribution for him exposing the Holodomor. And here again, we have Russian propagandists really controlling the atrocities that it's committing across Ukraine. This is why we pray about our very good Christians, brothers and sisters here in America who trust in this huge Russian propaganda right now. We're going to pray. Is there any websites or anywhere you want us to send you? Or we, we could send anybody? Our audience? Do you want them to go anywhere, to look anywhere? Uh, yeah, I will send you something. Okay, guys, I'm going to put Pavel's website in the show notes. Go, you can go to our website, hopeforukraine.com, hopeforukraine.com. That will, 100% of those donations go directly to serve our work in Ukraine. Pavel, I know, I see you keep checking your phone. It's 3.17 in the morning. Um, your family's gone into the bomb shelter. So thank you very much. You go handle that. I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you, brother. Thank right, you thank so you, much. Pavel. All right, guys, go into the show notes, hopeforukraine.com. Um, this is just another great show. I wish we would have had three hours. Maybe we can get Pavel back on to do a real deep breakdown of what is unfolding now in Ukraine. Guys, thank you for listening. Share this with your friends and your family. This episode has been brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project. Go to our website, thegreatcampaign.org. Become a monthly donor. Until next time, Jason Jones Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show. Sponsored by the Vulnerable People Project. Visit thegreatcampaign.org. That's thegreatcampaign.org. Ooh, 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 ooh.